Hello everyone and welcome to the kickabout. Two wins for England and Conte gets his marching orders. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. And welcome to episode 123 of the Kickabout. Uh, we're back at our normal time this week after last week's shenanigans. Um, it's been a quieter week, but you know, still plenty to talk about, especially with England. There's always things to talk about. Um, but before we get into that and the other bits and pieces of the week, we'll start with this. Damn the stat, man! So Tottenham averaged 1.88 points per game in the Premier League under. Antonio Conte, okay. putting him into the top five for points per game um, in terms of Spurs managers. Okay. But can you name and rank the top five okay. Spurs managers? This is just Premier League history, isn't mm-hmm. it? Okay. And you will know all of them. I haven't. There's none there that you'd be like, oh. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon we can have a good stab at that. Ranking them in their correct order might be the yeah. Get the catches us yeah. out, but mm. okay, excellent. Well, as always, we'll get the answer to that at the end of the show. And of course, with Pete back this week, hello, hello. We got the return of the quiz. I can't remember what the score is. I, I genuinely, I forgot I think... what the quiz was about. <laughs> <laughs> I had to remind myself because I've been out for two weeks. Well, <laughs> we either drawing or you're three two up. Yeah, think, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. I think that's um, that is the case, right? Um, we'll get on then. We'll, we'll talk about England now. Of course, um, we've had the World Cup, of course, obviously this year. Um, I think it's fair to say that the the general excitement and hype around England has tempered somewhat since the World Cup. Mm. Um, of course, Southgate decided he was going to stay. We uh, very mixed feelings. I think is probably the best way to say that. Um, if we just talk generally before we talk about the each each game in isolation, how do you generally feel about how those two games were? Did you see anything in either of those two games from Southgate to suggest that, you know, the future is going to be better, that he's going to be changing things, anything like that? Did you see any signs of that? Come Pete, you start Pete? us off. I saw <laughs> 90 minutes of good football. Across between, the two games? Across the two games. Um, I think, I mean, that he's rotated the squad around a little bit. And there have been players that have come into both games that have done a, a decent job and actually put some question marks about who should start. Um, so, I mean, the opposition, I don't feel were uh, what is top level. No. But, you know, a win's a win. And it's, bearing in mind, we haven't actually beaten Italy since like 1960 or something like yeah, that in Italy. in Italy, yeah. So, that, you know, it's, even the the mental side of it is a boost. Mm-hmm. Dan, what's your what's your thoughts? I, don't know. I was hoping to see something after, you know, how we've done in the Euros and the World Cup. I was hoping that it'd have been like, right, how can we sort of take that step further to make sure that we win the next competition? And it just seemed like it was rinse and repeat. Same players out there, same game plan, same substitutions, you know, give them five minutes at the end of the game. I just don't think anything's changed. I th- for me, I think one of the, the biggest indicators of, of a of a forward thinking setup, not just manager, but sort of country as a whole, is that whenever whenever teams either su- have success or have failure, 
at a tournament, they never stand still. It's the same in club football. They never say, you know, Man City never stand still. They're always looking to improve, always looking to bring in another player. Um, and with England, it feels like you're right. They, you know, I think it, I'm sure it was like against Italy, either nine or 10 of the starting 11 were from the quarterfinal against mm. France of the World Cup. Now, I guess all right, that's only a few months ago. So that's not, you know, a horrific statistic in, in of itself. Um, and obviously there was a lot of people that dropped out. You know, there was a lot of injuries, people dropping out, which strangely he decided not to bring people into the squad, which I thought was a little odd mm. to not do that. Um, but if, you know, all those other national teams, they often have a look at themselves and they'll be bringing in new blood. And we said, that was one of the things that we said, if Southgate is going to stay, which he did, you have got to now look and bring in some new blood. You can't keep relying on players like Henderson, on Trippier, on Walker, Maguire. You know, mm. these are the players that you've now got to look at and think, right, you, you're you not going to be around for much longer. I've got to, to make sure that when their time is up, that the next breed are already there. They're already set in stone. They're already part of the setup. They're already comfortable with, with everything to do with the England team, from tactics to just being around the camp. And I, I think that we're in danger of missing out on that because I think what he's going to end up doing is he's going to have a whole bunch of players who are all going to drop away in fairly close order with each other mm. and then all of a sudden he's going to suddenly then bring in six players straight into the first team and just hope they kind of stick yeah I mean I think that's when Italy Italy are sort of in that transitional period as well now aren't they we, we see it with quite a few national teams where you know we've got Belgium as well that their time's coming up and but you do you're correct you, you need these these youths or more players to be coming in and I'm making a difference to the squad. I think when I'm saying about the players coming in, I'm on about the likes of Madison. Yeah. You know, he's been around the squad. I think he made the comment saying like, uh, oh, it feels like I've had my debut again mm. because it's been so long with him out, but he got his job done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really see us bringing in any more youth players. Where's the talent coming from? Did you see Maguire's comments? Was this about... About not having, yeah. See, that's what annoys me about the fact that, because I mean, you said I have over fifty caps and I'm England's top scoring defender. I have nothing to prove, and I think that's the biggest problem when you think you've got nothing left to prove. Mm. I feel like you know to play on the international stage for someone like England, you should be constantly wanting to prove yourself, yeah, and not just say that you've made it. You should be, you should be there all the time trying to make sure that you're justifying your selection, yeah. justifying your place. And that's, that's it. This was the Roy Hodgson argument, yeah. right? This was what we said about Roy Hodgson coming out of retirement. He's got nothing left to mm. prove. Is it, has he got the stomach for it? And mm. that's why I don't agree with players like Maguire being called up. Not so much because of the player, but because the fact that he's not playing for his club. I don't think he should have been called up because, you know, he's gone into that with, it, with that mindset, like, I'm already England's centre-back. Whereas yeah. you should be playing your skin out to become England centre-back or to keep your place as England centre-back. Mm. You shouldn't just have that mindset that no it, matter what, mine. I can go on a two-week holiday and I'll still be England's centre-back. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. And I think that is, is a very dangerous mentality because largely you would throw that argument at some of the England teams of previous generations. You think back to the so-called golden era mm. of like Sven, Sven's era. You know, we had a starting eleven that was basically that starting eleven every mm. single game, come you know, rain or shine, it didn't matter, and we got nothing. There was no success at all with that no. team, um, and this team does feel like it's kind of on the cusp. It feels like there is a squad there that is good enough to challenge for consistent um, medals. I know we reached one final, went to one semi final, but it didn't. As stupid as it sounds, having got there, but it didn't feel like we kind of deserved to be there mm. at times because of the way that we played. Certainly in the semi final against. In the two thousand and what are we two thousand eighteen World Cup it would have been, mm. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm worried for the future for England if this if this current trend carries on. What I thought was great about Southgate when he first came in was the fact that he did introduce all these young players into the squad and it really freshened up the team. The problem is now he's stuck with those players for his entire reign here and he hasn't really brought through the next batch of youngsters. Well, the incredible thing was is that when Tony came on, and we'll talk about him in a bit as well, when he came on against Ukraine, I think the stat was something like 52 players that Southgate has given a debut to since Southgate's been in charge. Mm. And you think that's an incredible statistic when you consider the conversation we're having right now where it feels like he's playing the same team every week Mm. or every game. I so, think it's because they've just been one-off cameos. This is they? it, isn't it? He's yeah. bringing them in as one-offs and then they disappear and then they don't really get anything else. Um, or he's playing them in you know, pointless friendlies. Ten or, minutes at the end. and Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure that the future under Southgate is going to look any better than what we've already had under Southgate. In those two games, um, I didn't see any any sign of, of a different style, of a different setup. Um, the other thing I would say, or if we if we now move on and talk about the Italy game in 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 specifics, it the first half, as you write, I mean, I'm sure that you were alluding to this as well, people. You said we had 90 minutes of good football over two games. The first half against Italy, you know, whilst the quality wasn't brilliant, I thought we did play really well. I was actually quite impressed at how much we pressed Italy. You know, we pressed them high up the pitch, mm. um, and if Grealish puts that chance away to make it three 0 all of a sudden you're thinking, you know, five 0 Germany Munich again mm. all over again. Um, and Italy were there for the taking because Italy were shite in that first half. Mm-hmm. I missed yeah. the first half and turned it on for the second half to watch us get battered for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it was a really crazy game where we, we started that game so well. The first five or ten minutes, we were high-pressing. I thought Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham absolutely dominated that midfield. They lost their grip on it in the second half and we got a little bit overrun. Um but what was really telling is how comfortable we looked at the back. Mm. And I know it's cliche because we had, you know, we had a lot of the ball. But when Italy did try and break, because of the, our shape off the ball, we looked so comfortable at the back. Even Maguire looked like a bit of a class act because he was just able just to kind of freely go about his business. As soon as that changed in the second half, it exposed him. Mm. And the the goal was his mistake giving the ball away, playing out defence, and then he compounds it by flying <laughs> into a challenge about two seconds later, being putting himself out of position, and then. Um, the Argentinian Italian striker gets into uh, to laser one in the bottom corner. So, if we talk if we talk about that sort of first half, first, um, what did you think of uh, sort of some of the individuals in there? And obviously, you know, you've had you've had Maguire in there. We've spoken about way too much. I can't be asked to talk about him anymore, <laughs> frankly. No. Um, what about? Um, Saka, because he he continues at the moment to be this sort of sort of shining beacon for England, isn't he? He seems to be our almost our talisman at the moment. Mm, yeah, I think Saka's kind of cementing his place in that right wing position now. Um, definitely not left wing back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully Southgate will not uh, try that experiment. Anytime yeah. Soon. Um, and yeah, I think he just he just plays where I mean it does kind of help that Kane drops in deep and. We almost play with like a, t- a front two, yeah. Um, with the two wingers, I think it's just that left wing. I think if Rashford's fit and he's on form like he is for United, him, Kane, and Saka could be a very dangerous front three. Mm. What is this with with Rashford now? Because he's missed eight competitions. Ironically, just before they start, he pulls out. Well, I think recently he has been he has been carrying a knock, um, and I think with the international. He just sort of thought it's pointless. 
Are you trying to suggest there's something nefarious going on here, Pete? I'm just asking the question. <laughs> if I were him, I'd be quite pissed off that I didn't play that much at the uh, the World Cup. Because mm. he kept picking like Grealish, and Grealish was pretty trash for City at the time. Mm. Talking Grealish, obviously that, that third goal, or the third goal that wasn't, um, that came across the box for, for Grealish. <laughs> um, Dion Dublin, who, by the way, is right up there with one of the, of the worst common chasers on, on TV. He's absolutely atrocious. He was instantly trying to bail Grealish out and basically saying that it's a really difficult chance. I know I've been there, you know, it's it's sat up, you know, you don't know which part of the foot to go with and stuff like that. And I was watching the replays and I thought, are you watching the same replays? Mm-hmm. Because for me, that's a, that's a side foot. Mm. Simple as, roll it in the get. He's tried to be too clever with the outside of his foot or put his laces through it and fucked it up. And for me, that was that's a glaring miss. Yeah. And that goes in, that game's done and over. And maybe the second half is... is not the same because Italians' mindset is different. Um, but I, I must admit, Grealish didn't do it for me in that in that first half. He was probably the only player in that England team in that first half that I thought, I'm not sure you've you've done enough here to, to stamp mm. your place in this team. But it's crazy though because you think back a couple of years ago, we were screaming for him to start games. Mm. He'd only get the odd 20 minutes, but he'd do something in those 20 minutes. <laughs> he draws a lot of fouls like we've established many times how does something just change he's changed his game since he's been at City because I I saw an interview with him where he was saying that at Villa Dean Smith pretty much just said go play yeah whereas at City he's obviously a lot more having to be a lot more disciplined and involve other people in the game he's Uh, he's taken a lot of time to adapt yeah yeah. and to be fair over the last little while he has started to show signs of Getting to grips with that system. He's been playing a lot more now, isn't he? So he's obviously picked up what he's been told to do. Mm. Um, Especially with Foden out now as well, because I can imagine he's going to be out for a little bit longer with that mm. appendicitis. Was was Sterling fit? Was he just not selected? He wasn't selected. selected. See, I mean, going back to the point about Southgate and picking his favourites, that's that's very true, yeah, because he is, Sterling is one of his favourites, isn't he? You know, we thought he was one of the undroppables. Yeah, I guess we've got more options up top than we do centre-back which I do understand you know I know Maguire is one of our best centre-backs it just annoys me picking players that because that I mean and then the comments as well if Maguire had made those comments it wouldn't have been it just <laughs> fueled the fire for me really mm. it just annoys me the problem is with Maguire right is that he's <clears throat> I said I didn't want to talk about him but fuck it go on then <laughs> um, the problem is with him is that he, he's got this unbelievable ability to look so and utterly composed in control of what's around him and then the next minute, he just looks completely and utterly like mm. a deer in the headlights. Uh, and he just makes these really rash decisions. And I don't know if we can rely on him. I can't remember which pundit it was who said this, but you won't win anything with Maguire at centre-back. It's probably me. Probably quite a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, it might have been Roy Keane, in fairness. Yeah, it sounds like probably. the sort of thing you would say. Yeah. Um, and I think he's right. Like every time that we, we sort of backs up against the wall, unless it's... I'm trying to think. There was, there was one of the games... Um, was it at the World Cup? Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think, well, yeah, it was. It was against uh, the US where we, we were really poor. It was nil-nil, wasn't it, against the US? Mm-hmm. And Maguire played really well. Yeah. And the only reason he played really well is because he basically camped on the edge of our area and just fucking swung his leg and got his big slab head on everything. Yeah. And he looked class because it was playing to his strengths. As soon as you play, try and play this sort of open, expansive football, teams counter us. Mm-hmm. He's not good enough. He's not quick enough. He's not mobile enough. And he's not good enough on the ball. That's the problem. You can't really push forward when you're playing Maguire at the back. 
because he's got to sit deep. Otherwise, you can counter him easily. And I, I just, I simply don't. I know we had this discussion last week about England centre backs and who else you could bring in. And some of the names we came up with, people like Tarkovsky and Cody and Tamori. Yes, they're not world class defenders. I get that, but they're surely at the very least on the same level as Maguire. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, if the likes of Joe Gomez was better. He would be quite a good. Yeah, his, his form has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. For Liverpool this year, he it'd be good if he went to a slightly lower down club to get more first team football and sort of hopefully improve because I could see him potentially being a, a starter. Um, Tamori, I feel like should be given more of a chance, mm. but then again, I don't really watch the Italian league. Ben so. White's playing central as well. Though. Yeah, yeah his, this is true. He yeah. was a, actually he was a name actually that I I saw pop out after the podcast mm. last week. I'd forgotten that we had we didn't mention him. Granted, he's now kind of being deployed as a right back, mm. uh, but he is a centre back by trade. Um, was he selected? No, he wasn't in the squad. I don't know if that was a must have been injury. Injury, injury or Reece something. James was back, wasn't he? Yeah, so. who then pulled out and he didn't obviously call anybody up. Yeah. Um, I think Lee, Lee actually, when we were talking with Lee, he pulled, put, uh, picked up on that the fact that you put Reese James in this squad. He was literally just come back, just come back from injury again, and he's now injured again. I mean, you, when the subs came up in that Ukraine game. England had like six subs and then Ukraine had a full complement of like 11 <laughs> subs. It looked like, oh, fuck, are we struggling for players that much? It's, it's just really weird. And Southgate, he said, though, when he was asked about how come you've not pulled anybody else in, he was like, I think we've got just enough to get through. And then he goes and doesn't make a, doesn't make a sub until the 80th minute against Ukraine. So, well, if you're worried about player fatigue and worried about not got enough players, maybe fucking rotate a well, bit more. as well, subs. so it's not like... And we're in total control. Yeah, Ukraine right. didn't really... I mean, did they have a shot on goal? In the entire in the entire game, I don't. I, no, it was literally just two balled and Mudrick and Walker had him covered. So yeah, so I mean, they 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 really didn't threaten. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why he couldn't have made changes earlier in that. So anyway, to to finish the point on the Italy game, um, obviously we talked about you know the fact that we pressed well. We you know Kane gets obviously his uh, his record breaking goal, uh, which is which is awesome. Um, but then obviously the, the the script flips in the second half. I mean, what for you was the difference? Was it us stepping back and settling for the 2-0 or was it Italy really coming at us or both? A bit of both, I would imagine. I imagine... Uh, who's their manager? It's... Um, Mancini. Mancini. I imagine he would have given them a little bit of the hairdryer treatment and then Southgate was probably like, right, lads, camp on the box. 2-0 um, is good enough for us. So, yeah, it's just... But that's the problem. I feel like we do that quite a lot when we go ahead. We then have this really negative defensive mentality... And then we just allow teams to attack us. I mean, we did, you know, for the. I think I remember seeing a stat that the only shot on target that Italy had was the goal. Mm. So could you argue that it was a fairly professional performance because we didn't really... They had a lot of chances. And that might have been their only shot on target, but a more clinical team probably would have finished us off. Mm. Yeah, the only reason I asked that was because I'd, I'd seen one or two sort of counter opinions around mm. on social media who were saying, well, look, you know, you can't dominate every game. You can't do this, that and the other. And in actual fact, we saw the game out. It was professional. We got the win in Italy, et cetera, et cetera. But then, as you say, you look actually a bit deeper and you say, well, yeah, fine. We got away with it today. We've had we've gone down to 10 men as well. Um, and against a better team, you know, if that, if that was France, for example. That's the thing. You know, I mean, it's all right. I know Italy are a powerhouse name, but they're nowhere. They're not no, the Italian side from years off. ago. I mean, they didn't even qualify for the World Cup. So yeah. that says a lot. I mean, their midfield is the same midfield that played in the final of the last Euros. Yeah. Um, Jorginho, Barella, and somebody else, I can't remember who the other one was. Um, and they're just not good enough, are they? No. Um, it was nice to see that Skamaka was getting about as many minutes for Italy as he does for West Ham as well. He got the last two minutes. 
Um, so trying trying to think who it was. Who was it that got carded? Yellow Car- carded twice. Kyle Walker was Kyle it? Walker. How, so what? Do we know yeah. why he wasn't? No. He wasn't sent. So there was a there was a tackle in like the centre of the area by oh, who it was now. I know he got yellow for time wasting. Yeah, so he got booked in like the 65th minute and then he then got booked later on. And then Luke Shaw then got sent off. Mm. Yeah, he didn't clock it. I didn't didn't clock it. Four officials there. You got VAR and you're playing in Italy and no one clocked on to him. Yeah, it was weird. weird. The time wasting yellows I thought were a bit harsh. That referee was fucking on one because he booked Declan Rice for time wasting in the first half. (laughs) Um, And did anyone else think he looked like Sheldon Cooper as well? Was I it just <laughs> as soon as I saw him lining up doing the coin toss, I was like, "Fucking Sheldon's referee." <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was on one from the. He'd already had a word with um, with Pickford, with one or two others, mm. and then Declan Rice got the ball and he did something like he, he was about to take the free kick, and then he walked away or something. I don't know what exactly what happened, and he got carded, and he he literally just could not believe he'd been carded because he wasn't trying a time waste, yeah. and the referee was just he, he seemed to have this. <laughs> He came in with this vendetta and decided, if you just had a look at him, <laughs> <laughs> it's Sheldon Cooper, right? I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, fair, <laughs> fair, <laughs> if anyone hasn't that's seen brilliant. it, go and Google the referee from that game and tell me he doesn't know like Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory. Um, <laughs> What's your thoughts on like, I know we talk, we've talked about this probably over the last few years, but like Pickford over Pope, or Ramsdale for that matter. Um... Pickford's I, definitely in that undroppable category. I know for, he's for never really done anything wrong for England, but mm. it's another one of those, you know, Pope and Ramsdale are both clear in the Premier League. I know they're obviously playing for better teams, but... Yeah, I think Nick Pope's had a few wobbles recently. Oh, mm. um, yeah. I'm also, you know, having seen... I can't remember which England game it was, but Nick Pope is absolutely awful with his feet. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big problem at international mm. level. Um, well, he, he had two games, didn't he, in the... It was the Nations was, League, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and he sort of... And yeah, he's on the bench. He was, he was yeah. Wank. yeah, so I don't get me wrong. I'd like to see because Ramsdale has not really had a, a look in mm. uh, for a while. For he's a probably time. third choice as well. I would Ramsdale. argue that is yeah, yeah probably true. Um, I would like to. I would like to see him do that. You know, the trouble is, is that there's no. There's, I just felt like a, like Ukraine would have been a good game to play someone like a Ramsdale while he's in form for Arsenal you've got to do it against a decent team right? yeah. there's no point changing bringing Ramsey in when you're playing Sam Reno because yeah. he's not going to touch the damn ball mm. um, you've got to do it against a team that's going to at least test him a little bit so because um, the other two games are Malta and North Macedonia I think yes that's, and there's one other isn't there because it's five, five in a group Malta North no, Macedonia no that's it North, is that it? Is and then Italy it's Ukraine got... and us Oh yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm discounting us. <laughs> My bad. Um, just, just touching on San Marino as well. Go on. Have you seen their Twitter? Yeah. No, I mean, no their Twitter admins just fucking hilarious. Well, I mean, they've got it. nothing they've else done, to cheer about. They've got like... TikTok as well, and they just done like loads of them getting smashed by all the TikTok. <laughs> and then they done, a, and then there was them drawing one all, and they're like, "Woo!" <laughs> I love that. Do you see uh, Kazakhstan? Yeah, I beat, literally yeah. beat, beat yeah, Denmark. Yeah. That was an amazing game. Two nil, two nil down, down yeah. and come back to win three two. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, let's um, let's move on then to the Ukraine game. Um, makes a couple of changes. Nothing out of the ordinary. Obviously, starts Madison. How did you think Madison got on in his, as he put it, his uh, his new debut? <laughs> I actually thought he played really yeah, well. Yeah, I, I thought he was really well. He done yeah. really well. Dan. How did you rate Madison's performance? Um, I didn't watch the game. Good, okay. <laughs> he, was, he was playing more on the left, wasn't he? I wouldn't say he's a left 
wing it at all. But... No, he, he technically, yeah, but he, he drifted in a lot because I yeah. think he relied, we obviously relied on the width from Chilwell mm. uh, in that game. With Chilwell, again, was I very thought Chilwell good. was very good in that game. Um, he Luke, he starts over Luke Shaw for me now, I think. If you're... So, okay, here's a question for you. If we're playing a four at the back, who do you start Luke at Shaw. left back? Luke Shaw. Yeah. And if we're playing a five, you start Chilwell. I would put Luke Shaw centre-back. Mm. Really? If we're playing a five. He's been so good for you. To be fair, we've not talked about that. Fucking put him in there instead of Maguire. Mm. But Luke left, Shaw's been playing... centre-back, he's been so good. Yeah, put him in there instead of Maguire at centre-back. Mm. I'd rather Harry Kane at the back than Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> so Calvin Phillips? Yes, we didn't talk about him, did we? Um, so, yeah, I... Probably he's a good reason. <sighs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I I don't I didn't understand that. I mean I kind of I understood why once he picked the squad, I understood why he went for him over Henderson because I think Henderson only just sort of got back into training, um, and he obviously wasn't hundred percent fit, which is why Henderson then started the the game against Ukraine. Um, but Calvin Phillips for me was blowing after about fifty five minutes an hour, um, and he looked just. But do we need two CDMs? The trouble is, is that he. Southgate is probably still harboring back to the uh, those days where we had Rice and Calvin Phillips in, mm. in for those Euros, and it seemed to work quite well. And it's almost like he's trying, he's desperately trying to make that yeah. his to his centre midfield partnership. I think Southgate sees him and Rice as the long term partnership. I think maybe he wants to play Bellingham a little bit as higher up, yeah. yeah, as almost the ten. Um, I'm not so sure that works because I think Bellingham is perfectly capable of doing, Be- doing an eight and so doing good defensively, yeah, and he's such a good box-to-box player. So I think you can get away with having Rice sitting and let, letting Bellingham float a little bit. Mm, because and then having like a, a Mount or a Madison further yeah. up. So I, I don't think that. But yeah, for Philip, Phillips for me, I mean, he did okay, but he's so out of form. He's so out of sharpness and match practice. Yeah. He's played an hour of Premier League football all season. Mm. Um, and that tells you tells you everything. I know he's played a little bit in cups and bits and pieces, but um, yeah, for, for me, that was a very odd one. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna play Calvin Phillips in that game, I would rather you start somebody like frankly a Connor Gallagher. At least he's been fit and yeah. playing a bit more, even though I still don't think he should have been in the squad either, or Madison, somebody else yeah. should have been in there. Yeah. Do you think it was weird for Jude Bellingham wearing the number ten shirt? Because um, at first I thought it was Rashford that had a ten shirt. That he was, Kane, he was eleven. Sterling came more than number ten for England. He's nine. He, he was nine, wasn't he? Yeah, Sterling's been ten. It just seemed really weird seeing it on the back of Bellingham. Mm. Is Kane not number ten for Spurs? Uh, mm. No, he's nine. That's why he's always been number ten. No. I'm trying to think. Yeah, he's, he's number nine. Who's ten for Spurs? Not Son, is it? I think he was always do, do, do a quick Google. Yeah. I, can't, I, can't reach, <laughs> I can't reach my keyboard and I can't bother to move. Um, so, but no, I, 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 going back to that point, I don't think, I don't think Harry Kane, what, number for 10 for Spurs, yeah. yeah. Oh. For England, he's number nine. Number nine, I thought he was. That's halfway right. There you go. You can both take a win there. Um, but yeah, no, going back to that point, I think. Calvin Phillips is still in the back of, of Southgate's mind as being that position. He wants he wants Phillips in that position long term. Um, but it's not going to work if he's not playing. No, exactly. You can't just force it. Like you've got a, his injury record is really poor at the yeah. moment as well. And I don't see him getting in City's team City's team anytime soon. I mean, they've got the likes of like Gundogan, De Bruyne, Rodri. Yeah, but he uh, could be a long term future. I mean, De Bruyne's probably got what about 
two seasons left in him. I, I see, the problem, the problem is, them replacing De Bruyne rather than looking to fill the gap with Phillips. Well, I mean, it kind of depends if, if um, Guardiola is still there, but you're right. And also, do we want somebody who quite clearly is, like Southgate clearly wants him in the England mm. squad, do we want him sat at Man City playing a bit part role for the next two years until De Bruyne retires, even if that is true, mm. because he's going to he's going to continue to be in the England squad. Um, so anyway, let's um, let's move on to talk about the um, the Ukraine game. Uh, we talked about Madison, um, Ivan, Tony. I thought got shortchanged in this. I would have whether I would have started him or not. I don't know, uh, but I feel like once we got the two goals in front. Um, giving him a half I would give, yeah I would have yeah. changed that half time 100% poor old Brett Davis oh man man was fuming um, but I, I I must admit on this occasion I, I agree with it yeah, yeah because absolutely. you know I knew it was going to happen though I to be fair I'm surprised he got any minute because there was was it Callum Wilson that like got called up and then never even got a minute in the end yeah I I, I don't understand the, the thinking behind the substitutions in that game that was that was David Moyes and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer-esque thinking that, you know, when you're tuned up, you're dominating the game. Mm. And the first change he makes is on the 78th or 79th minute to bring Tony on for Kane. Mm. Um, at that point, you may as well not bother mm. uh, because there's, you're not going to learn anything about Tony in those 11 minutes. Give him a half for, for the love of God. He wasn't doing it to see what he could offer. He was just bringing him on because he'd called him up. Yeah, he was doing it to appease yeah. the fans sort of thing. Um, obviously, Conor Gallagher, Grealish, and all that come on. They're all sort of the, the subs you expect to see from the limited pool of subs mm. that we actually had. Um, but just two wins from two. It's, you know, we're heading in the right direction again. Um, already, we're beginning to see morons. And when I say morons, I'm talking about Paul Merson. Um, <laughs> Hyping up England's chances in the Euros already. Um, when are we going to fucking learn? When are we going to learn to stop doing this? Because we're just setting ourselves up for failure there's, all there's the just, time. There's been so much on social media about it. I mean, we've got Italy, which are in a transition. They had a sickness in the camp as well. We know it's not the Italy that were in the Euros final. And to be honest, they weren't really they weren't that, that great, great anyway. <laughs> and then you've got a, a Ukraine side, which probably got the majority of their results through the sheer passion and the drive from yeah. everything that's been going on. Not to say they're not a great team, mm-hmm. but we outplayed them. Yeah. So until we actually come up against some decent competition, and this is going to sidetrack onto this Harry Kane comment I want to make <laughs> as well, until we come up with some decent competition, you can't make the comments like that in a qualifying stage. We're the uh, only team in our group that was at the World Cup. That's a very good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, the trouble is, is that international football is, it's very much like the, you know, the, the stereotype Scottish league, isn't it? That you've got the teams at the top who are miles mm-hmm. ahead of everybody else. You get the odds, you know, shock result every now and then, like the Kazakhstan, Denmark one, for yeah. example. Um, but by and large, those top teams breeze through their, their groups and it only really gets interesting come the uh, the knockout stages unless you get a group of death in the in, in the Euros mm. or the World Cup. So you're right. Like, at what point do you decide? Right, or how do you measure England's progression until you play those better teams? So for the for at the moment, I'm not even that question is even coming into my mind as to whether they've improved or not because we mm. don't know. Right. Um, how many from each is it two from each group yeah. so the, 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 the top one goes through and then there's is it the top two no, no it? that's the two because the rules yeah, change for the Euros now because it's expanded well no, no the, world the, world, the World Cup oh is, um, sorry yeah 
I think because of the Euros, it's always two, but with the World Cup, it's the one, and then the second team go into the playoff. But I think right. with the Euros, it's top two, and then the third team goes into a playoff. Right, so, okay, yeah, you could be right. But but obviously, yeah, obviously it's how many European teams in it. There's 16 in the Euros, isn't yeah. it? Four groups of four, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, <clears throat> I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to learn anything. I mean, the, the home leg against Italy will be interesting because, you know, Italy has still got enough about them to cause us some problems. The fact that we got so many problems caused against us in that second half is, is alarming. Mm. Um, I, I really want to see England turn up against a team like Italy. Yeah. Whilst they're not a world-class side anymore, they're, you know, they're still a good side. I want to see us turn up and dominate. If we can turn up and absolutely dominate somebody, but like France did against the Netherlands the mm. other night, that's that's the same equation, right? Netherlands are probably in the same category as Italy right yeah. now. Yeah. France turned up and absolutely blew them away the other night, being four 0 That's the sort of performance we need to see from England in those sorts of games. Absolutely stamp your authority, dominate the game for start of finish, and then we can start having conversations about whether England are in that elite any uh, at any point. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my ten p anyway. <laughs> Pete, you had a question or a stat for us or something. It was more of a debate. Oh, go on. So it's open to the listeners. <laughs> uh, France 1 0, by the way. Oh, against Ireland. Oh, they yeah. won. Um, it's handball. <laughs> so people have been saying that because <coughs> Harry me. Kane is now the, the record England goal scorer, uh-huh. uh, that he is levels above Wayne Rooney on an international level. Agree or disagree? Levels, as in, like he's that much better than he's Wayne better Rooney. than. Let's let's just say that he's better than Wayne Rooney on the international. Um, bearing in mind we've got the Euros, World Cup, and the Nations League now as well. Yeah, so we're playing more competitive football than yeah. we ever did with with when Rooney was playing. Um, well, competitive in so far as that there's a point to the games, mm. and it's not just those pointless friendlies. Um, we're going to be a di- agree, disagree, or on the fence. <laughs> I think it's difficult to compare, but I I always think that Kane falls short in the actual major competitions. But then that that accusation was thrown at Rooney mm. a lot mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Mm. Um, I would say from from an from an England point of view, oh man, this is really difficult actually because I I do remember moments where Rooney was class for England, but at the same time I remember moments where where Kane was good. But I feel like. Kane's game has has changed now because if we were having this conversation about Kane maybe a few years ago when he was this out and out striker and out and out goal scorer, different conversation. But because he's now started to drop in, and started you say to that up, Rooney done exactly the same thing. He ended up playing yeah. as a number ten for us in the end. Yeah, he did. He dro- started dropping deep. Well, thirty two of Harry Kane's fifty four goals were scored against like low ranked teams, ranging from like, Slovenia all the way down to San Marino. Uh huh. Also adding 18 penalties against those teams. Right. Leaving only four goals scored against highly ranked teams. Um, Obviously, you have to beat what's in front of you. Yeah, you do. I and mean, and you know, this, if you're playing devil's advocate, you could say that, you know, you don't hear these sorts of questions being in every day. Someone like Ronaldo, who's mm. got well over 100 international goals, and a lot of them would have been against absolute fucking minnows of, of world football as well. I thought he retired. He didn't retire, but people were basically saying that they thought that uh, Martinez wasn't going to pick him. Uh, he's um, got he two goals here. Yeah, yeah I think he's got five in two games or something uh, stupid. Um, so, yeah, so back to the game thing. I... It sounds like you're on the fence. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'd probably say I'm on the fence. I think it's difficult. 
I'm no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna make a decision. I'm gonna say that I agree that he's for in, in England international. Bring in mind at the stage of the career he's at right now, I think Kane is better for England than Rooney was at the same time. Uh, there's not much in it, mm. but I watch Kane and what he does and the way he links in, the way he holds the ball up, the way he brings others into play. I'm not saying Rooney wasn't good at that, mm. um, and maybe it's just because it's fresher in my mind because we haven't seen obviously Rooney for a long time. Um, but I feel like Kane does do a lot of the scrappy work that he doesn't get in maybe enough praise for, possibly because we don't want to see him doing that because we'd rather see him further up the pitch as we've had those discussions before. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a generational thing as well, though, isn't it? That's yeah. And that's why I struggle comparing, because it's like comparing Mbappe with Omri. Yes, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a different time. This is what I was going to say, because thanks to Joey Barton, because he's put this up on Twitter as well. Joey Barton, um, <laughs> voice of the people. If you, if you could sign one player age 17 and keep them up until 34, who would you have? Harry Kane, Wayne Rooney, Alan Shearer or Michael Owen? How do you decide that? Uh, well, I mean, it's different. I can take Michael Owen, Michael Owen out of that complete. Well, here's the thing: he was oh, good. If if, if we're saying, I was going to say, if we're saying that they they play their entire career injury free and they stay at their peak, then you know that's a difficult conversation. <laughs> For me, Kane's bottom of the list because he didn't really get going until he was in his twenties. Yeah, you have to. You, yeah, in those sorts of, in these sorts of debates, you have to mm-hmm. judge their career trajectory as to what it was. Rooney obviously was firing him in at like sixteen, seventeen yeah. for yeah. Everton. Yeah. I would argue, um, Shearer. I, I mean, I'm too young. Shearer was, I mean, look, he's all time Premier League goal scorer for a reason. Mm. Um, that being said, he was playing in an era where it was less, way less competitive mm. in the Premier League. Exactly. Um, so for me, I would probably go Rooney at the top. I would probably go Kane second. Um, Shearer and then Owen. Michael Owen bottom. I think I would go Rooney, Owen, Shearer, Kane. You'd have Kane last. Mm. Just because he didn't really start until he was sort of 22, 23. True. Um, But then, you know... Whereas all the other lads were scoring goals at 17, 18. No, that's a fair fair point. I mean, maybe I'm thinking because, you know, Kane for the last how many years has been getting 20, 25 goals every season for the last five or six seasons. Maybe I'm doing the other way around. You're thinking about how good Owen was at the start of his mm. career. I'm thinking more about how he was in middle to the end yeah, part of his career yeah. when he went off to Real Madrid. Didn't really, it was okay for a bit, didn't really yeah. work out. And then, of course, he came back and was Newcastle, plagued by injuries, other bits and pieces. But yeah, it's interesting. I like little, I like little, uh, mm. little debate. Maybe we, should, maybe we should make that a thing going forward. <laughs> Pete, your new, your new job, find, find a debate topic like that every fucking week. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay. Um, we are going to head for a break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to discuss the goings-on at Tottenham as Conte gets his marching orders. See you in a minute. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show. Um, we are now going to talk about Antonio Conte who has officially now left. Uh, I happened to be watching Sky Sports News quite late last night. Uh, they were talking about another story completely. I think they were talking about the World Match Play Golf. They interrupted it at like <laughs> half past 10, 11 o'clock, whatever time it was and broke the news that Spurs had announced on their own website that they had parted ways by mutual consent. 
um, which is code for Daniel Levy says, we don't want you anymore. And Conte says, cool, I don't want to be here either. So, yeah, they've obviously reached some kind of understanding financially as well. Probably is what Conte wanted. He wanted to get out now, mm-hmm. take a bit of money while, he, while he's at it. Uh, Pete, we obviously missed you last week. We didn't get the opportunity to, to get your piece on this. Yeah. Um, what did first of all? What did you think of the rant from the other week? Um, <laughs> what was your What was your reaction when you heard it? I think this is what happens when you can't get a result against Southampton, really, isn't it? <laughs> Says it all. Um, I mean, the rant for me personally, if if my manager or anyone involved in the club came out and spoke like that, that's a dressing room lost. I mean, you could, it's all well and good having that rant in the dressing room or in private to them, but to publicly come out and although he said it wasn't to the bosses... It was. It was. <laughs> that and the players, there's certain things you can and can't say in the spotlight, and that is one thing that you cannot say. Um, so that, you know, we knew this has been coming. So I'm, I'm not surprised that he's gone. And I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of glad that he's gone. It has been a bit of a circus show with Conte, hasn't it, from moment one? I mean, as you, as your stat alluded to, he's mm. not been entirely unsuccessful in terms of his, you know, his ranking amongst other Spurs managers. Um, however, you know, he leaves trophyless, and that was why he was mm. brought in. He was brought in, in the, for the same reason Mourinho was to, yeah. to win something yeah. for Spurs, and um, he failed. I mean, I can sympathise with him because the, you know, you could argue that the meltdowns come. From losing, well, he's lost like three friends now. Yes, and he's, he's had a rough had his, his medical yeah. troubles as well. But if you're not mentally fit to be in that chair, then you step down. You know, we've seen it in the past with other managers yeah. that have stepped down because they're just not mentally ready to to get back in into football. You know, and and we probably would have admired him more for that. Yeah, you know, the bosses might not. They might have just sacked him. Um, that wouldn't exactly be very sympathetic. But we know that football is very cutthroat. Um. You know, look, he's had it. He's had success at, at Tottenham, but on the, the the flip side, he's been so financially backed. If you were to financially back Poch or someone like that, like he's been backed, yeah, then they would expect results. And to be honest, they probably would have got results mm. from that. I think his most memorable moment at Spurs will be that uh, tiff he had with Tuchel. Yes, I mean, <laughs> unsurprisingly, they did show that reel yeah. on the on Sky Sports News when <laughs> they announced cool, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does feel like this has just been a bit of a whirlwind with Conte. He's, he's not even been there his full 18 months. He's only been there about, was it 14, 15 months, I think it is. Um, he, he's he gone from showing incredible amounts of passion and backing his players. Um, there's been question marks over his future in the past as to whether he's wants to stay or or whatever, because he's, he's come out with fairly sizable rants before. Not, not on this scale, mm. but he has done it before. Um and it feels like when when you go on go on for that long and you call out as many people as you do, like he could have said something vaguely and broadly similar, but he could have done it in thirty seconds, and he could have done it without being quite so angry about it. He, you know, you could have said it, and it would still have been high profile, and it would have been you know quite shocking. The very fact that he was in that chair for like minutes doing mm. it, I think, just makes it even worse. To be fair, though, it's not really out of character for him to be calling out the board or calling it's out the player because obviously every club he's been at, as soon as they don't give him what he wants, he doesn't hold back. Yeah. Is it? Is this a... How do I put this? Is this a way of saving face? Because Conte, is, is he's a winner, right? Mm. He hates fucking losing. Mm. Is this a way of saving face so that on his CV and when he goes to his next job, he can basically pin the blame on the players, on the club, on the owners and the, and the general kind of mm. 
mentality that's instilled around the club rather than taking responsibility I think so. himself. I think he turned, I mean, he obviously he'd done it in Milan where he, he walked away as soon as he realised he wasn't going to get what he wanted to win the trophy, to win things. So, yeah. And I think he, he's probably realised that it's not going to happen at Spurs. And he, I mean, his contract was running out. I think I don't think there was any chance in hell that he was going to be renewing it, no. even the club or him wanting to renew it. So I think he just reached boiling point and was... Because I I said I'm think I'm pretty sure he's looking to be sacked. Yeah. Um. I think he just reached boiling point and was like, you know what, I've had enough. I can't yeah. be asked. Well, I don't think he ever actually came back from Italy. I think he flew out to Italy for the international break on a Ryanair flight. On a Ryanair yeah. flight, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, and he never. I don't think he ever actually returned to England. So as far as I know, he he was never in England to receive mm. this news, which also means he's probably not. You know, a lot of managers tend to go into the training complexes to say goodbye to everyone. Mm. Don't doesn't sound like that's happened nah. um, probably for good reason I don't think the players would really have um, appreciated that it's probably best that he stayed away to hear Kane's comments he was interviewed after the Ukraine game right and they asked about you know what do you know what's happening have you had contact with, with Conte and he was like look you know I've just uh, been focusing on my football out here uh, and if he if he's back at uh, in England when we get back then obviously we'll, we'll speak about things that that to yourself just sounds like right. Well, I know he's going, yeah, but I can't tell you anything official. Yeah, exactly. If he if he backed him, if he well, if he wanted him to stay or he knew he was going to stay, he would have been a bit more exactly. positive with those sorts of comments. Um, in terms of the future for Spurs now, obviously Stellini, um, who actually had quite a good, has quite a good record mm. for looking after the side while Conte was recovering from his surgery, he will remain in charge for the remainder of the season. Ryan Mason will assist him. Do we do we envisage a future for Stellini as as Tottenham manager if he can creep them into the Champions League, or do you think that he's not high profile enough for Daniel Levy? I think the fact that they've already started talking to Nagelsmann or however you yeah. pronounce his name means that they've got no plans of keeping Stellini in charge. Do you? I mean, do you think that? Um, I I would be surprised if they go for Nagelsmann and not Poch. Yeah, I really thought that they would go straight for I mean, for it Poch. seemed nailed on yeah. that, that Poch was either going to come in now or come in in the summer. Mm. Um, you know, if, if, they, if they're going to leave Stellini in charge, just to they're probably doing that to keep the equilibrium. They're probably thinking, right, Stellini, Stellini hasn't lost the dressing room. It was only Conte. Keep, keep the people there that everyone knows and then we'll sort it in the summer. Let's try and get ourselves over the line rather than bringing a radical change and bringing a new manager mm. in now with new staff and new everything else. Too much of a risk, right? Wait, who who got sacked first, Conte or Nagelsmann? Uh, Nagelsmann got. Sacked. Are you sure? I, no, yeah. I thought it was Conte. No, Nagelsmann got sacked. Oh no! You no, you are. You're uh, right. I wonder whether that's because. Do you think that triggered it? I'm wondering whether Tuchel then got brought in, didn't he? Yeah. I'm well, Nagelsmann didn't even know. A, like a what do you call it? Effect domino effect. Mm. I mean, yeah, no, you're absolutely. I remember now because we were talking. We we were sending some memes mm. which I've worked me about the fact that Nagelsmann is got himself into the Champions League quarterfinals, they're second in, in Bundesliga at like one, one point. One point won every Champions League game. Had like a 75% win record. Yeah. Yeah. And what's gone wrong there? And they said he must have had a falling out with the board. Mm. Otherwise, why on earth would you sack him? And I, I think, um, i trying to think which player it was. It was one of the Bayern Munich players. I don't know if this was post him being sacked or whether it happened before. He was quoted as basically saying that Nagelsmann is the best manager he's ever worked for. It wasn't like Alfonso Davies or anything, was it? Uh, no, I Juan think Cancelo, it was. was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have had an ulterior motive if it was him. No, I'm pretty sure it was... Um, who's the centre midfielder? German. Goretzka? Yes, I think it was him. Um, so, yeah, it, you're right. I mean, Conte... The, the rumour was that Conte may have been sacked on the Wednesday. 
and that they would make a decision by then. They mm. didn't. They obviously dragged out, but you're right. It almost felt like maybe the fact that they left it that long, maybe they thought, oh, okay, well, they are going to stick with him mm. then. And then you're right, now he's going to get sacked, and then all of a sudden Conte is sacked. So perhaps that was... Uh, you know, behind the scenes right now, they're trying to organise getting Nagelsmann come the end of the season. Um, but do you not think this puts them in a, a really vulnerable position, though? Because you look at their previous history of managers, how defensive they've been. You know, yes, we you know we joke about Stellini's had a really good record. He's only lost one match while being in charge of them. But, you know, they're in a, like I said, they're in a vulnerable position where they could drop out of them Champions League spots. Yeah. They've still... They're, they're still in Europe as well, aren't they? No, no, they're out. Okay, so that puts them even more of a vulnerable position. You you need to get someone in that can sort of settle the camp for the rest of the season and go for next. Well, why would you want Stellini in there? I can only presume you would you would well you would you would hope they've done their due diligence and spoken to some of the players and said you know some of the senior players like Hoiberg, Kane, Son, some of those other mm. players, Loris, and said to him, right. Conte is, is going to go. How do you feel about Stellini sitting in with Ryan Mason until the end of the season? I would hope those sorts of conversations have happened because if Stellini was was like completely and utterly behind Conte and everything that he said and stood behind his comments, Stellini would have gone as well. The club mm. would have either sacked him or Stellini, Stellini would have walked himself. The fact that Stellini is still there says to me that the players must like him enough that they're willing to work for him. But also it says to me that Stellini probably wants a crack at being a manager either here or somewhere else um so i think it's probably a deal that works good for both parties on the assumption those conversations have happened if all of a sudden news starts to come out that actually he's not that liked in the change room results don't go their way then yes you're right it is a it's a it's a gamble it's, it's, it's a, a big dice risk, roll yeah. be interesting to see because obviously those games that he has won Stellini, you would assume were under the guise of Conte. This is true. Conte is still going to have ultimate I mean, control, yeah, isn't it? They, they still played the same way. Mm. They just happened to have a bit more fortune in front of goal. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so be interested to see whether he does play a different brand or whether it is just Conte 2.0. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the conversations he had with Levy. If Levy has said to him that you're doing it for the end of the season, but you're not going to be manager. Mm. So he's probably just going to go, right, well, we'll just keep business as usual. Mm. If he suspects he's got any kind of hope of being the manager, he might try and implement his own style. He will, Undoubtedly, he'll want to change certain things. He'll want to put his own stamp on it. Um, can he do it in the, what, 10 games we've got left? I, I, I don't see him changing anything. And I, I can't see them saying, look, there's a chance he might be manager when a day later they're talking to the Bayern Munich <laughs> Well, we don't know that, right? That's just, that 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 is we don't know the what. easiest, the fact that they're talking to Nagels, well, we don't know that's true. For Britain, it's on Sky, yeah, it's on, it's on Sky Sports. Oh, is it, it's, it's being reported yeah, that yeah, level. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. I'd, I'd three in one article, but I didn't realise it was that yeah, widely yeah, reported. Yeah, no, like Sky Sports. Thing, um, so okay, yeah. all right, fair enough then. But all I was going to say was, is that, you know, that is the easiest story for any journalist to write mm. that Nagelsmann goes... Conte then goes, the two are going to line up. That's the easiest story you're ever going to write. Um, but uh, if it's being reported by old Fabrizio and everything else, then you know, right, we can we can assume there's a decent amount of truth behind that. Um, for, for Spurs, though, if they do get Nagelsmann in, how, how massive is it staying in the Champions League for them to get someone like Nagelsmann in? Or do you think that maybe they need a little bit of a reset you know how many how many years of of missing out on trophies and bits and pieces do they need before they realise that maybe a reset is needed internally? Um, An Arsenal classic example. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I mean, squad-wise, I don't think their squad's that bad. I think their squad's good enough to be top four. Uh, I just think they're very negative under Conte. So, I mean, maybe Nelsman comes in and with the team they've got, he does turn things around. It's going to be hard, though, because they've yeah. had three negative managers on mm. the spin. You know, they've had Conte, they've had Mourinho, they've had um, yeah. Spirito Santo. So they've had... What, I don't three know what years of, manager, of, of negativity. I don't know what sort of type of manager Nuggles means. He's more really. progressive, which is mm, yeah, which would be nice. But if you base a squad around the past what five, six years under all their reigns, probably even less than that. Actually, well, so it's four years since Pochettino left. Yeah, yeah. So four year, four managers in four years, apparently. Yeah, I mean, but that being said, you know, you look at United. Look what Ten Hag's done with United. Yeah, it is yeah. possible to. To change a team up and get them playing in a take different way. Take Dyer out the team. You start playing very well. <laughs> exactly. Just take Eric Dyer out. You take your sorted. <laughs> um, so I think I think it is possible. You know, Ten Hag has done it with United. We've seen other examples of it. So uh, if Nagelsmann comes in, um, and you know, Premier League is a draw, right? So mm. even if Spurs aren't in Champions League and only mm. end up in Europa, um, the Premier League is enough of a draw on its own. Well, we we're, signed, we're, we're not in Champions League. We signed for Ram. Um, Martinez Casemiro Casemiro Spitz is uh, injured now as well isn't he is he yeah on Austrian duty isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> just in time for Casemiro <laughs> to come back from his record oh wait no he's still banned for the two games um, so that's we got McTominay that's fine he's got him. two goals for Scotland the other day <laughs> did he yeah um, so yeah I, I think that um, I think it's enough of a draw I think Nagelsmann would be a, a great appointment for Spurs I think they would do very well to get him in I wonder where that leaves Pochettino though um, yeah because he's been out of a job for a little while now yes, yeah. don't see too many other clubs being linked with him I mean you know it seemed like Tuchel must have been pre-lined up by Munich because mm. that switchover happened so quickly in a very similar way to how Tuchel ended up at Chelsea that was a quick switch after Lampard left so but Poch wasn't even mentioned in that job mm. I've seen rumours that he might end up at Real Madrid um but it remains to be seen whether um, who's the current Real Madrid boss? Is it Carlo? Is he yeah. still there? Is he? So it remains to be seen what's happening with him. But you know, Rampers does he go at the end of the season man. because they're not doing that well in the in the league anyway? They're not well, doing that in the well. League, yeah, in the Champions League, they're doing pretty well. Mm. So right, okay. Um, let's um, just quickly uh, round up one or two other stories and bits and pieces. Um, worth mentioning, old Benny Foster. Yeah, go on then. Coming out of retirement. This is probably over to you, Pete, this one, since it's... Uh... Well, it's I'd, I'd say it's from Premier League to, to National League, but it's more championship to retired to National League, making his second debut for Wrexham. Absolutely. And he had a clean sheet as well. Yeah, loving life. The goal, the GoPro, GoPro was in the goal as well. in the goal, yeah. <laughs> is it, have they had a load of injuries then? Because he's only done it till the end of the Ironically, season. Ironically, so they, they signed Foster just to, to sort of get over the line, but I imagine it's probably more for a... Uh, commercial yeah. side as well um, I wonder what sort but, of wages uh, he's on because you know I know they've got I know they've nuts. got yeah I was going to say I know they've got money but the FFP rules within mm. that exist within EFL yeah. mean that he won't be able to sign anything crazy it's probably a mutual benefit though isn't it that it's going to boost his YouTube and everything I would imagine and it's yeah. definitely boosting the yeah. clubs yeah. Um, the, the interview image. said that he was he didn't he didn't say the figure but he said it was peanuts yeah so he's um, not he's not doing it for money well, he doesn't need the money does he nah. he, he retired he was happy um, he does like podcasts and yeah, all that as well. Their keeper's now injured, ironically. He got injured yesterday. So Oh really? Yeah, okay. So he's in he's in for the bit. It's quite lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so what he joined as a backup goalkeeper. He just joined just to get them over the line. Oh right. So uh, that's what you need, a backup goalkeeper to get yeah, you through. That's it. 
Um, just uh, quickly, we, we've, we've had a couple of stories this week about um, finances in football again mm. rearing their head. Uh, we've had some rather troubling news coming out of Wigan. Yeah, again. Again. Three um, times now in the past three years. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, this is to do with wages, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the owner has been another owner that had come in um, when they got relegated down to... I want to say they got relegated down to League... No, they, they survived the relegation to League Two, uh, got promoted last season... Uh, and again, they just can't afford to pay the wages. The players have had no communication. Um, and from what it, it was meant to be 48 hours of, oh, sorry, we'll, we'll be late paying you. It's now been two weeks mm. and it's close to being a month now. Yeah, it's so not good. It's, so Stephen Corker came out yeah. um, and tore the owners to pieces. And on, rightfully on so. Social, rightfully so. Media. I mean, at the end of the day, they're still employees and everyone deserves to get paid, don't they? So, And it probably, you know, as as was as is often the case with these things, it's not necessarily the players that are the ones that get hit the hardest. It's the other staff mm. members within the club, you know, the admin staff, the the match day staff, all those kind of guys. That... And you know, for me, it's a concern because you know the amount of years that all the way from Portsmouth back in two thousand and ten now up to where we are now, we, we've we've argued that they they're not doing their whole fit and proper. The same with Derby as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Bolton, Barry, Barry, you know, Macclesfield. They almost went. As yeah, well, yeah. They? Well, Macclesfield are gone, aren't they? They're now a Phoenix club. That's his true. Um, right. Yeah. So you know, this whole fit and proper is still, I'd argue, is not there mm. because in less than a year, a, a club which has had so much success in League One has just completely fallen off a cliff uh at the bottom of the championship and that's no real fault of their own you could argue that's a bad managers bad decisions yeah kind of too right didn't really, didn't really uh, yeah. do very well did he but again off off the pitch it's just complete crisis again mm. it does make you wonder how often this is going to happen mm. um and the re- the reason we would we, we bring this up is because everton are also now being uh charged with alleged breach of its profitability and sustainability rules um, this is the assessment period is over four years, back, dating back to uh, 2018 and 2019, up to the end of the 2021-2022 season. Um, obviously, Man City were charged last month with, with the same period, well, a longer period than that, but they're the second club to be charged with breaking these rules. Um, Everton recorded losses of 371 million over that period. Premier League rules only allow clubs to lose a maximum of 105 million over three years, and they recorded over three times that, not not far short of four times that. Um, Everton released a statement to say that they are disappointed to hear of the Premier League's decision. <laughs> I think that's yeah, fair enough. Uh, the club strongly contests the allegation of non-compliance and together with its independent team of experts is entirely confident that it remains compliant with all financial rules and regulations. Everton is prepared to robustly defend its position to the commission, etc., etc. Um, I'm just looking through the post. I'm sure they would. They were... Um, it doesn't actually say here, but I'm sure I read somewhere that they were blaming things like COVID um, because obviously COVID That's an easy bail. But the it? problem is, is like, yeah, but COVID hit everybody. Mm. Not not everyone's posting losses like that. Um, you know, we, we we knew this was coming though, didn't yeah. we? We've known for years. 170 million of their losses were caused by the pandemic. That still doesn't even put them in the green. No, exactly. So, yeah, let's look at the rest of your management accounts. Let's not just look at that. But this, this that will be taken into account, like Cody going on loan and you know, Richarlson being sold. There's still those losses, correct? 
2021-2022. Depends on what point that finished. Because yeah, if the end be... of this, because Richardson signed at the start of this season, didn't he? Yeah. Well, it'd be end of financial years, which is April. So yeah. Could, yeah. So depending on when that falls, it could be. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's worrying stuff for Everton. I mean, as a West Ham fan, throw the fucking book at him, deducting sixteen <laughs> points, relegating right now. Um, <laughs> but obviously, this is going to drag on in the same way that the Man City one will drag on. But it's yet another example of poor management, and the Everton fans will not be surprised to hear this. I mean, football fans in general won't be because the way they've been spending over the years and the sackings of their mm. managers and oh. all this other kind of stuff, the new stadium they've now invested in. The, this conversation came up last year, though. The same conversation about financial fair play mm. and nothing is done. And this is my argument between the Premier League and the EFL. When FFP or anything is broken in the lower pyramids of, of the Football League, it happens there and then. Yep. And that the Premier League is just far too protected for this. So there's, there's too much paperwork or you know what I'm trying to say yeah the, the, the financial implications yeah the, the financial implications of not being in the Premier League is so great to these clubs now because of how invested they are in it the deducting points especially this time of the season for a club like Everton if Everton had deducted I don't know nine points mm, that's yeah, practically going to relegate them yeah Um. so that that's that's huge so right. I can understand why but you're, you're absolutely right what then. I would argue is if this was the likes of Bournemouth or Fulham or, or someone like that, yep. something would have happened by now. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. The this, this independent panel that's supposedly coming into football, um, I'm not convinced that it's going to change a huge amount because if it's government run, I mean, the government don't no. know they're asking their fucking elbow most of the time anyway, so I'm not sure how much we want to trust them with, with football. And financially, in terms of the incomings into football, the Premier League has done an unbelievable job the amount that they've sold the Premier League as a product around the world, they cannot be criticised for that. But the problem is, is that they've created their own beast because now everybody wants a slice of that pie. Everyone wants to buy a Premier League club. Everyone wants to, to be part of the party because they think that it's an easy... The very fact that May United are being sold for how it means going to be six, four and a half to six billion or whatever it is people still think that that is a sound financial investment that there's huh. eight or nine parties willing to pay that because they think they're going to make money from it. Just, just touching on that, didn't someone put in a proposal that he was going to buy the club, but he wanted every fan to transfer three pounds into the yeah? Kitty so it's going to be like fan owned. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll so he, he's, done, <laughs> he's done the maths to say there's X amount of Man United fans out there. So if they all put three pound in, Imagine we can do this in on a Monday. Man United. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it just turns up to every podcast in a suit. I can't just uh, sorry. I've just got to have a really tense board meeting. You know, yeah, we get the inside scoop every week on United. Yeah. Get all the get all the inside news. I could sat Maguire. <laughs> Sign up Phil Jones for another eight year contract. Even with your injury, you'd probably take his place. That's yeah, true. So, but anyway, yeah, it's it's worrying stuff. We're obviously, we'll you know, if there are any other news about this, it will come out. But this is going to go through various hearings and various. Um, legal proceedings I suspect and even if they do get punished with 10 games to go it's almost certainly not going to be this season I can um, guarantee if they get relegated they get punished straight away yeah they'll get they'll get a point section mm. for the start of the next season if they stay up it will either be swept under the rug it'll be a fine um, and no points deduction mm. or, or it'll be like three points something mm -hmm. kind of meaningless um, so but yeah I mean this is we, we said about with the Man City thing right if they don't throw the book at them if they don't make an example of them yep. FFP is dead in the water even if it isn't already so yeah we'll be watching this one with 
um, with keen eyes. Uh, right, we are going to start to round out the show then, and we will start with this. Damn the stat, man! Tottenham averaged 1.88 points per game in the Premier League under Antonio Conte, putting him in the top five for managers that have played at least once. What? Well, sorry, managed at least one season. Okay. But can you name and rank the rest of the top five? Poch would be. Yeah, I think Poch is in there. Would he be number one? Well, how many seasons? No, yeah, no. All right, I I put Conte at number one then. Nope, you're no. Right. So Poch number one, Poch number one yeah. Conte number two. Yep. Redknapp. He's in there. Number four. Four. Who else has done a good job with them? Oh, who's uh, oh, Mourinho third? Nope. Fifth? Yep. It's not like someone like Villas Boas. Yeah, I was going to say there was another Portuguese. Villas Boas number three. Oh, so that's what I mean. It, yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. I was actually thinking a little bit further back, but then I thought the further back you go, the more shit Spurs were. Mm, so yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Like it Martin was, Yole yeah, and, exactly. Uh, when was Villas Boas there? Like two thousand and ten? Two thousand? No. Was he the one before Poch? Yeah. Was that was what two thousand fourteen? Right. Well, there we go. Well done. Excellent stuff. Right on to the quiz. Radio, welcome back. Um, I have no idea what the scores. I'll have to uh, check. I'm on. reasonably confident it's three two today. I think it might be three two. Okay. Well, unofficially at the moment, <laughs> it's three two. Um, do you guys need a refresher of uh, the quiz at all or not? No, nah, I think we Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, if we can hear your buzzers first, please. Um, I can't remember which one I had. I'm pretty sure it was this one. Sometimes may be good. Sometimes may be shit. And uh, mine was this one. <laughs> Awesome. I miss Mourinho in the Premier League. <laughs> so, because I've been gone for two weeks, I thought the theme would be uh, injury-prone players. <laughs> so, uh, we will start with our first player. Is it Dan? Know, is it Dan? Going <laughs> <laughs> go on, Dan, you can go first. Uh, is he Premier League? Yes. Uh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What as in was he? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is he still playing? Yes. Oh, that was, the way it was like I assumed he meant. He's... Well, no, I just didn't want to mess it up by making you think that he was still in the Premier League. Ah, oh. I'm, not... I'm trying to only say yes or no. He's not in the Premier League anymore, Dan. Ah, uh, <laughs> not, not, not Premier League anymore. No. Is he in the Championship? Yes. I mean, maybe a bit of the gun, but Andy Carroll? Yeah, that's why I backed out that one straight away because I knew he got that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay fair up. enough. <laughs> uh, player number two. Um, is he still playing now? No. Did he retire sort of early-ish, as in like sort of under 30-ish? Are you talking about the age at which he retired? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no. sorry. Um, okay. Did he play in the Premier League? Yes. Did he play for Arsenal? Yes. If I speak, I'm in, in big trouble. 
Is it Jack Wilshire? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell, getting battered here. He's good at the injury ones. How yeah. ironic. That's because he's part of the, uh, like, the little community. We've now. got our own WhatsApp. Let's <laughs> <laughs> right, see if we can get a full house. Be a nice quick one, though. Right, next player. They were the only two names I had in my head at the start. <laughs> I've got one more I'm hoping he's going to use. <laughs> Go on, Dev. Uh, is he Premier League? Yeah. Um, was he an England international? Yeah. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I'm going for it just in case. Is it Dean Ashton? No. Oh, that was the one I had in my head. <laughs> I didn't. Th- I, I was thinking of him. I didn't think you'd get them straight away. So. Um, has he retired? Yeah. Uh, did he retire in the last five years? No. Injury prone. Did we establish he was Premier League? Mm. Yeah. Uh, was he an outfield player? Michael Owen? No. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. He retired a while ago. Who's guest, Dan? Your, yeah. Your uh, was he a striker? No. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> the trail. <laughs> was he... We said he played at international level. Was he European? Yeah. I probably believe he was European. Was he Spanish? No. You asked about four rounds ago whether he was English. Did I? Yeah. Oh, he's English. Did you say yes? I thought I'd just asked if he was international. I didn't know. Okay, all right. Hang on, so is he English? He's English. Oh. And you just said it's European. European. (laughs) That's what confused me. Hey, we're not in the EU anymore, Dan, all right? I think Brexit. Who's quite his question? Well, I mean, yours. Mine didn't really count. No. I didn't know that one out. It's fine. Did he retire before the age of 30? No. Okay, so he's injury prone, but he had a full career. In theory. Did he play for one of the top six teams? Yeah. Uh, did he... Was he a regular for the national team when fit? Yeah. Okay. He retired, did he retire within the last 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> Hovering. Is he a midfielder? No. Here we go. <laughs> I'm lost. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. Ashley Cole? No. Good guess, though. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Is it Ledley King? No. <laughs> I need to win this one. <laughs> um... John Terry? No. Injury prone. Yeah, well, I was trying to think. Bloke literally just diving, think diving of... around blocking balls with his head. Well, like, exactly. He was, built, <laughs> he was built like a brick shit house. he was. Uh, other, other defenders within the last... Top six. Well, I guess playing for England. 
That's why I said Ledley King. Mm. Um, uh, 10 years, what's that making? It says 2013. Was he a centre back? Yep. Centre back that was a regular for England is retired within the last five to ten years. Ferdinand wasn't injury prone. And he retired. Uh, no. Within the last ten years. No. Um I feel like this is gonna be really fucking obvious. It's probably mm. people shouting. I'm trying to think at, of like the England team. Or whatever right now. I don't want to do any more like question guesses in case he gives you the answer. I mean, you're going to have to name the England team. Really, yeah, there's you? well... You've established they're not a striker. Trouble is, is that Maguire is like... I have nightmares about him. He's ingrained in my mind. He feels like he's been playing for England for too long. But it might be Maguire. You don't know. Um. <laughs> yeah, he retired a long time ago. Because <laughs> he's shit. Um, fuck, what's his name? Gary Cahill? No. <laughs> I, was, I, was I, just put, I just took two. my phone down him, carry or, on. him or Wayne Bridge no nope. okay I have no fucking clue then <laughs> he's not a centre back mate no it's funny what it's, Wayne it, Bridge it's around back. that era as well I thought Wayne Bridge was a centre back he's left back that 100% left back yeah he was a left back yeah. did he play for Spurs no did he play okay. for Chelsea no did he play for United yeah come on Dan this is your game Imagine it's Ferdinand. I just said it ain't Ferdinand. That'd be a proper Bradford. Oh, no, he's retired. Hang on. I was going to say Phil Jones. But he's practically retired, and he must be honest. <laughs> Do you want to his testimonials coming up? <laughs> it's been. It was like five years ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man United centre back. Retired within the last five years. No, don't ignore that. Ignore You've got that. a guess now, mate. Embarrass yourself. What? Rio Ferdinand? Yeah. <laughs> what? Really? He's had 11 occurring injuries in his career. There's no way. You said that about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I should have just said it because I had no other guesses. Yeah, so he's had five muscular problems, three five problems, 11 calf problems, four knee problems, 16 back problems, five hip problems. And twelve uh, back troubles. I bet you're along kicking with some yourself. Other unknown injuries. And yeah, and he had one uh, doping injury. Yeah, that was the unknown injury. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're kicking yourself when I said there's no way it's Rio Ferdinand. I just thought I looked at Chris and I was just like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, right. well, doing... you don't need me to tell you that Dan won that. Yes. Oh yeah, it's, I forgot it's not best of five, is it? No. So we, that's best of three. This is best of three, isn't it? That's whitewash. That's how long it's been. Yeah, whitewash. See, I was playing for the five two. Uh, the, sorry, the three two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's I mean, sorry. after Either the way, th- I'd won that. Though. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, fair. after the first two that you got, after two guesses. <laughs> Fucking hell, you and the injuries, anonymous injuries group on, on WhatsApp <laughs> and Facebook. Uh, right. Um, for those of you that uh, watched the LMA series, obviously last week I wasn't very well on the Monday and I just didn't get a chance to to edit. Um, so last week's episode will come out tomorrow. Uh, me and Dan are recording some more tomorrow so we're going to get ill again. And um, we'll obviously hopefully be back into the regular swing of things where we're releasing one a week. 
Um, other than that, um, normality will be resumed next week because we'll be back talking about uh, club oh, football. football. And there is a number of, of important games this weekend, not mentioning West Ham, Southampton, which is a bit of a six-pointer. City, Liverpool. Uh, City Liverpool this weekend as well so there's some good games coming up this weekend make sure you get your fantasy league done because it's a double game week so there's loads of points to be had and we will see you all next week bye bye, bye.